Welcome to Winning the World for Christ, a Christ Church Way of the Cross podcast with Bishop Ronald Frazier. Christ Church proudly celebrates 20 years of ministry and service to God. Now, here's Bishop Frazier with today's message. Bringing my family and friends into the promised land. Exodus chapter 23, beginning at verse number 20. And I'm going to read from the New International Version of God's Word. But follow along, beginning at verse number 20 of Exodus 23. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. Verse 23, my angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessings will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. And none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full life span. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Verse 28. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites out of your way. But I will not deliver them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the rivers. I will hand over to you the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land, for they will cause you to sin against me, because the worship of their God will certainly be a snare to you. The worship of their God will be a snare to you. 
Verse 29. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the fields multiply against thee. By little and little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. And I will set my bounds from the Red Sea even unto the sea of the Philistines. Today, I want to talk from this subject, bringing my family and friends into the promised land. Bringing my family and friends into the promised land. Father, speak to our hearts the words of life. Give us ears that we may hear what the Spirit will say unto the church. Open thou our understanding that we may understand what thus saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A promise is a powerful agreement between two individuals, God and the nation, God and a man, a man and a man, a nation and a nation. A promise is so powerful that it can outlive the two individuals that set the promise. God promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. God promised Abraham that he would have the land. That land would be such a great land. And God gave it to him in the form of a promise. And Abraham believed God. Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham walked with God. But Abraham died not seeing all of the promise that God had made him fulfilled. And sadly to say, many of us will die and not see all of the things that God promised us come into fulfillment. But what God said is going to happen does not cease because we die. The promise of God stands assured. God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Did he not say it? Shall he not perform? He'll do it. He'll perform it. He'll bring it to pass. And so the promise went from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Israel. Uh-huh. Well, Jacob was Israel. Well, Jacob to the 12 tribes of Israel. And the promises were just passed down from generation to generation to generation. Finally, we understand that Joseph went into Egypt, followed by the tribes of his family, all coming down to Egypt. And for 430 years, they're in Egypt. But at God's appointed time, I don't care how long the enemy holds you into captivity, when God says it's enough, guess what? It's enough and you're coming out. And I don't know about you, but I've been in some situation when God said, it's enough. Your time, your time to come out. Come on out, come on out, come on out, come on out. And so he brings Israel out of one situation and what looks like into 
another situation. They come out of Egypt and go into the wilderness. They come out of their bondage and go into a time of testing. And what often amazed me is the journey from Egypt to the promised land is only 11 days. But it took them 40 years. 40 years of wandering around, bumping your head, trying this and trying that and trying to discover and trying to find your way when God had already made a way so you could get from point A to point B in 11 days. Now, I don't know about you. I've taken some trips and I didn't want to tell first lady I was lost. I just kept driving. And all of a sudden, I just, oh, well, I got to make a stop. Let me just stop. Do you know where I'm at? More importantly, do you know where I'm going? You know what road I'm going to take? I won't tell I'm lost. I've learned a little secret. Get that little navigator system and plug that address in. Google map and Google search and map quest and plug it in the phone so the phone can direct you as to where you're going. But 11 days, no Google search there, no map quest there. The map would have told them it's 11 days. And for 40 years, you're wandering in the wilderness. 40 years, you know God is about to do something in your life. It's like 40 years, I'm, I'm moving close to where I'm supposed to be. And look like the closer I get to my destiny, God, something is happening to pull me back. And I'm cycling and I'm doing the same old, same old. I'm stuck in that same rut. But every once in a while, you got to know God's going to bring you out of this rut. He's going to bring you out of that situation. I don't care how many times you don't bump your head. God is going to bring you out. And there must be a word in your spirit that encourages your heart that tell me God's going to bring me out of this. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. But not only will I come out, I'm bringing my family and I'm bringing my friends with me when I come out. Just imagine in your mind, one minute you wake up, you realize you're no longer on earth. One minute you wake up, your eyes open and you understand that there has been a separation. Your address is no longer here in Maryland, North Carolina, Virginia, D.C. Your physical address is no longer here on earth. You wake up and you realize you're in the presence of the Lord. Oh, what a day that's going to be to wake up and find yourself in the presence of the Lord. Somebody pinch me. Am I dreaming? What is going on? Something is happening here. I'm in everything we prayed about, fasted about, wept and cried about. All the time we spend in church studying God's word, reading his word, the music, all the things we pushed aside, the changes in our life, all to get to the point of being in glory. And can you imagine one minute when we're in glory? Or what that's going to be? The only sad thing about that is when I look around glory for my loved ones and I realize they didn't make it. I'm in the promised land and my loved ones are left here on earth. Do you see it? 
It's a bittersweet day. I'm happy because I made it, but I'm sad because so many did not make it. I'm grateful and blessed because I made it. You said, preacher, you don't understand. Your theology is all messed up. If you made it, look like you would just be happy that you made it. Okay. Is that old, what the teacher said? I have mine, so you got yours to get. No, that's not the attitude I want to have. I want to have that attitude of, Lord, I'm grateful for being here. And I'm, while I was on earth, I tried everything I could do to bring my family and my friends into the possession. Well, they're 40 years, and now it's time for them to go into the promised land. Moses dies, and when de- at the death of Moses, God raised Joshua up as Joshua takes the reign of leadership and leads them into the promised land and divides the land and send things here and send things here. He gets them ready to possess. You know, there are some things that God has for you, but you can't get them until you get ready to possess what God has for you. Look how God talks about moving the children of Israel into the land. And what I find interesting that God said, this is how I'm going to do it. And sometimes we don't know how God's going to do it. I'm going to the promised land and somebody else is living in my house. Somebody else is doing all the things, taking care of the the land that I'm going to get. But God, how are you going to get them out the land? Look at verse 28. And I will send hornets before thee. I'm going to send the walls in advance of you. Uh huh. I'm going to send a plague ahead of you. I'm going to let this plague cause a panic and spread among the people. God can get the animals and insect world to fight for him. Oh, Jesus. Whatever it takes for you to get what God has for you, there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop it. Because what God has for you is for you. And what God is going to provide for you, he's going to provide it for you. If he has to tell the bees, get yourself together and go in their land and sting them out. Just get them out the way. But the point I like is that God is going in advance of your blessing. There's a miracle that you're about to step into, but God has to go before you to prepare the miracle that you're about to get. Oh, Jesus, do you see it? And so he goes, he sends the hornets ahead of them, which shall drive out. And this is how they're going to get them out. The Hivites, the Canaanites, verse 28, the Hittites before thee. That's how they're going to get out. Verse 29. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. It's not just going to be a quick thing. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, we're going into the land. We're going to possess the land. Let's just kick them out. Let's just get them out. Get out of my land. No, no, no. No, no, no. God said, I'm going to drive them out, and it won't happen in one year. And because it does not happen in one year, folks become discouraged. They give up. They throw in the towels. But you've got to understand, it was 11 days journey, and they had been in the wilderness for 40 years. So what if God takes a year to bring you into your possession? In comparison to 40 years of wandering, I'll let them take a year because I've wasted 40 years just wandering in the wilderness. And now they said, I'm going to take a year and you're going to go into the land. But notice what he says. 
lest the land become desolate. I'm not going to make it become a wasteland. If I drive the inhabitants out before this year time, the land will become wasteful, desert, desolate. It's too much land for you to handle. The blessings of the Lord is too much for you to take care of. So what is he's telling you that he's going to just give it to you a little at a time? Oh, Jesus. I love the next verse. It says he's going to do it and how he's going to do it little by little. You see, I want an instant blessing. I want a microwave blessing. I want a quick fix. I want a right now word. I want God to to fry my enemies now. But you've got to understand in God's time, there's some things that God is doing and he's taking his sweet time to do it. But when it's all said and done, I'm coming out with victory. I'm coming out a winner. I'm coming out more than a conqueror. I'm coming out healed and delivered. So what? It's taking me a little time because when I get on the other side of my pain, I'm going to look back and say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towels. But thanks be to God. Oh, what's giving me the victory. Thanks be to God, what's causing me the triumph. Little by little. I remember growing up how we just couldn't wait to grow up. What is it about youth? You just can't wait to become grown. And all of a sudden when we grow up, we just kind of say, you know, I wish I was a little young again. All for the days of being a youth again. Oh, to walk through those halls of the college and be back on campus one more time. What is it? Youth is wasted on youth. Yes, your young folk, youth is wasted on you. Oh, if I just could do it over again. The mistakes I made, I wouldn't make those same mistakes. And so, young people, when you hear us talking to you, that's because we're trying to take the things that we've gone through, the experiences that we have, and so you won't make those same dumb mistakes. Learn from others' mistakes and move on. So we want to rush it. But you know what we used to do in trying to grow up? We had this little chart. Remember those little charts? And you do a little mark. Okay, I'm growing. And then in a few more months, you go back again, and you're trying to see the mark to see if you are growing. There was a time, and I know I'm dating myself, when platform shoes came out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you put those platform shoes on, and you were able to look like you were growing. But if the truth be told, you were growing inch by inch, little by little. But you're growing, and you're moving ahead. And I just want you to understand that sometimes the devil discourages you because what you expect God to do haven't happened overnight. And it seems like it's a slow, long process. 
But there's something, some things that I like to eat and I wanted to get it right now. I just have to wait for it. It's like good old soup. Anybody know about making soup? You put it on and you just let that boy, you put the pot way down and let it simmer. When you walk in the house in the evening time, you can smell it in your nose. You can tell something good is on the stove and you're ready to eat it now, but you got to wait because it's just not ready. And for somebody, God is just trying to tell you, just wait a little bit. You can smell it. You can sense it. You can taste it. You know God is about to work this thing? Oh my God. Oh, you look like you're ready to go to the tables and sit down and eat, but it's not time to eat yet. He's doing it little by little by little by little. So when I finally enter into it, I'm going to say, God, I thank you. It was worth the wait. It was a long time coming, but it was worth the wait. I cried a bit. I prayed a bit. I mourned a bit. I fasted a bit. But look what the Lord has done for me. It's worth the wait. Oh, God. Do you see it little by little? He said, I will drive them out. Before thee, I'm going to do it. God's going to drive them out. Wow. So I'm so excited because God's going to drive them out. But I want you to understand in your deliverance, there is a part that God is going to do. But God is going to pass the torch because there is a part that you must do. I can fix the food. I can set the table. I can put the food on the table. I can ring the dinner bell and says your dinner is served. And you can sit there and not eat. All the wonderful things are set before you on the table and you're sitting there with your arm folded like, mm, I ain't eating that. God has a miracle for you, but there is something you've got to do to receive what God has set before you. I hear him say, I set before you an open door and no man can shut it. And if God opened the door, he's opened up the door. You've got to get up and begin to walk through your miracles. There's some deliverance. I had to just walk out. There's some things I had to learn to walk out. People are talking about you. Just walk it out. They're lying on you. Just walk it out. Because as you keep walking, you're going to walk away from that junk and into your miracle. Into your deliverance. Little by little, he's going to give them the increase. Now, as it was, and as we looked, and as we know the end of the story, Israel went into the promised land. And as they got into the land, they didn't do what God told them. God told them to, to put the, and drive the inhabitants out to fight to get for their families and push everybody out. And they said, no, you know what? It's enough room here. We can share. We don't have to fight. We all can just get along. We can coexist. We can co-mingle. You worship Baal and I worship Jehovah. You worship Buddha and I worship Yahweh. No, we can just have our gods and you use the temple a little bit and then I'll use the temple a little bit. You sacrifice to your God Dagon and I'll sacrifice to my God Yahweh. No, no, no. You're not going to mingle religion. You're not going to mix it because something happened. You're going to become contaminated when you try to mix it. 
You've got to learn to cut it off and to separate it and say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. The old folks used to preach it this way. It's heaven or hell. It's holiness or hell. You've got to make a decision. For God I live and for God I die. But pastor, you're just being cruel now. That's old school preaching. No, we don't do that now. We just, we just coexist. We worship together. We fellowship together. We go to uh, yoganomics together. We do our little Buddha chant together. We do our Hinduism together. We, no, 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 no. We're not doing that together. And you, it's okay. You can worship with me. But I'm not going to that. Why? Because I know it's going to contaminate my spirit. It's going to bring me down. And I look at Israel and I see the example. And I say, Lord, I don't want to go that way. Why? Are you talking about image? Image means so much. The children of Israel had a name. They had a representation. They, they represented God. And in fact, the enemies knew about the God that they served. How do they know? Because they watched what God did for Israel, how God opened up the Red Sea, how God sent the plagues. The enemy knew about the God of Israel. And I want you to understand your enemy knows about your God, too, because they watch you. They watch you when you go through your trials. They watch you in tribulation. They watch how you handle sickness and death and all kinds of things. Other people just go to pieces, lose their mind. And say, child, if I was you, I don't know how you making it. And you have to tell them, you don't know how I'm making it. Because if the truth be told, I don't know how I'm making it. Because if reality would have set in, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my joy, lost my anointing. But somehow in the midst of the hell that I was going through, he sent me a word to tell me that everything was going to be all right. Situation didn't change. Circumstances didn't change. But something down on the inside, my attitude changed. And I got that feeling that God was setting me up for a miracle. The enemy was sitting on the backside. He was standing up saying, you know, I've got him now. He's on his way down. I've, this is the one that's going to take him out. But you need to turn that tide on the enemy. And said, devil, it did just what you thought it was going to do. It knocked me to my knees. I had to lay prostrated before the spirit of the Lord. I had to cry out to my God. But when the dust was settled. When it was all over, I could see myself coming back up. After I cried a bit, after I prayed a bit, after I fasted a little while, I saw myself coming back up. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God told me to tell you, you're on your way up. You've been down long enough. Go tell somebody you're on your way up. You're on your way up. Oh, God. And since I'm on my way up, since I'm on my way out, when I finally get up, when I finally get out, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to worship. I'm going to enjoy God. But you know what? Why wait till you get there? You already know you're going to get there. Why don't you give him a praise in advance? 
a worship in advance. I bless your name in advance. I got you. Oh God. Oh God. Because I've got this image. Men, we have this image of being tough and hard and not being able to break and not being able to cry, not being able to bow. But I don't know about you. There's some times that I've got to push the facade aside. I've got to take off the mask. And I've got to break in the presence of the Lord. Every once in a while, I've got to pick up my feet and get my step in. Because when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, I've got a reason to praise him. I've got a reason to celebrate. I've got a reason to say God's been too good for me to sit down on him. I owe him some praise. So we deal with image. If you're a TV personality, you have an image because you represent the TV media. If you are in sports, you have an image, Cowboys, uh-huh, uh-huh, and Redskins fan, and Giants fan. You have an image because you're this great sports figure. You're trying to carry your image. You're trying to carry it like that. But I want you to understand, now are we the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be but when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is we're gonna be just like our daddy so if we're gonna be like our daddy that means we're sons of God daughters of God children of God and if God is a king I'm a prince if God is a king you are a princess we are children of the king Children of the Most High God, you're talking about an image. Yes, we do have this image. And our God has this reputation. Mm-hmm. And talking about self-esteem, how do you feel about yourself? Who am I? What do I think about myself? And your self-image depicts who you are, how you feel about yourself, how you see yourself. I, and, and how people talk about you, they talk about you, they give back to you what you give out. That sauna, that, that error, that aura that you send out is what they're going to give you back. If you give them professionalism, they're going to give you professionalism back. If you walk like you have some sense, they're going to think you do have some sense. You may be, I'll be nice. But if you don't open your mouth and just walk like you have some sense. But if your pants is dropped down and we see your underwear and I look at you and you look like you don't have any sense. You look like you a thug. You said, don't treat me that way. Don't look that way. Oh, Lord, it's dressed down Sunday and I'm talking about look. You don't even look like a preacher this day. You don't even look like a pastor. So the look goes a little bit more than what I have on the outside. You need to look beautiful on the inside. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are new. Oh, I got to bring this thing to a pass. We'll close. But just look at Numbers. Just run over to Numbers chapter 13. And you'll see where I'm going with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God brought you out. God did some wonderful things for you. God opened some doors for you. 
He made some ways for you. And, and what happened, and I'm going to give you quickly what happened. Moses sends two spies into the land to see where they're going. You know, every once in a while, somebody needs to be the seer for you. To see where you're going. I see where you're going. You're going to be a professional this. I look into your future and I'm seeing you moving in the right direction. But every once in a while, you need those seers to come back and tell me what you saw. They went up into the land and they saw these grapes that were so big that it took two men to carry them. One in the front, one in the back. And they just put one bundle of grapes on a pole and it took two men to carry them. Can you imagine walking? Walking through a land that the grapes are so big that it takes two men to carry one bunch of grapes. They looked at it. They could not believe their eyes. You're talking about miracle growth. It's miracle growth. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the place is, verse 24 said, the place, the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. They returned from searching the land after 40 days. We didn't just go in the land and run out. We were in this land for 40 days, writing, dialoguing, charting, putting, getting a visual picture of what was in the land, of where we were going. Lord, if you ever could get a picture of where God is taking you, it wouldn't be so hard for you to stop doing those silly things that you're doing because you realize I'm going to a better place. God has something better in mind for me. You got to see the goal. Verse 25. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Numbers 13 and 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back words unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. <clears throat> And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Verse 28. Nevertheless, how many times have we heard that word? We're about to walk into our miracle. Nevertheless, but that's that B-U-T word that stops you saying, you know, that's great, but I can't handle that. That's great. Nevertheless, I don't think I measure up to that. Nevertheless, it's that low self-esteem, that low self-image of thinking I can't do this. But you know what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And every once in a while, you've got to tell yourself that. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. That's the first problem. The people that's in the land is strong. Problem number one. Problem number two. And the cities are walled. They're surrounded by not little small walls like this that we build, but high walls. They're a walled city. So the people are many, yeah. The city, they're strong. The cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Okay, what about him? The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountain. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. God already told you who was inhabiting the land that you were going in. So what are you reporting? The fact that there are folks there. 
Uh-huh. And so, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Whatever the it is in your life, you are well able to overcome it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whatever comes against you and your God, your God can overcome it. Oh, God, help me. Your God, if God be for you, who can be against you? How do I know the Lord is for me? Because he have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. You've got to know that word, speak that word, and put that word back on you. Do you see it? And so Cato's trying to get the people, calm down, calm down. Let us go at once and possess it. We've been here 40 years. Let's go get it. We're this close to our miracle, and you're going to let what's on the other side stop? I don't think so. Let's go. Uh-huh. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. The men that went with them said, we can't do it. If you say you can't do it, guess what? You're not going to be able to do it. You're trying to do it in your might, in your strength. You say, well, pastor, reality is I can't do it. By yourself, no. But you have to understand who you represent. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, you can't do it by yourself, but the God that you serve is able to make you able to take anything. Oh, Jesus, help me. Uh-huh. The men said we can't do it. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it. Amen. A great statue. What are you talking about? There are giants in those lands. We can't go into that land and possess. Why not? Because when we looked at the men of that land, we looked like grasshoppers. And grasshoppers and giants don't mix. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which comes of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sights. We look like grasshoppers. Grasshoppers compared to great giants. And now you're telling me that the grasshoppers is going to go into the land and take the land of the giants. Well, I started the message off in the beginning to tell you that the Lord was going to use the hornets, the wasps, the bees, the insects to get them out. So if you're a grasshopper, my God, my God, your work is but a light thing anyway because the insects are going to take care of the heavy work. You've got to understand God's going to do his part and all you have to do is do your part. Do you see this image? This self-esteem? Who am I? Oh, I'm nobody. Professionalism? No, I can't use no professionalism here. Status? I don't lost my status. I'm weak. I can't do this. No, no, no. You can do it. But I'm just like a grasshopper. I feel so small in comparisons to the giants that's in my life, the giants that I'm facing. And many of us are facing giants. 
There are giants of health we face. There are giants of inadequacy. I don't have enough to do what I need to do. There are giants in our finance. There are giants in all types of relationship. There are giants that would seem to stop us, block us, hinder us, hold us back. And if we turn around and say, okay, here's the giant, and I'm not saying that the giant is not there, but then how do you see yourself? I see myself as a grasshopper compared to this giant. Why not take a different perspective and ask yourself, how do your God see that same situation? Because he's sitting above and looking down, he sees it in a different light. And if I can see it through the eyes of my father, I may not feel like I'm a grasshopper, but I'm not going to say I'm just a grasshopper. Because I'm not a grasshopper. You're a man. I'm a man. You, fall, you can come down too. How do I know this? Because when David faced the giant, he didn't say, oh, he's a giant. I can't handle it. He didn't run like the other ones. He ran and he faced this giant. And he said, you know what? You're coming to me, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And you've got to understand that you are a giant slayer. You can bring down the giants in your life with the right attitude, with the right praise, with the right worship, with the right respect. Knowing the God you serve, you can do it too. So they're going into the land. And I'm trying to bring my friends and my family into the land of promise. Into the promised land. I want to bring my friends. I want to bring my family. I want to get them all into the promised land. Well, when the men gave this bad report, the hearts began to fear. And many of them said, you know, I don't think we can be able to do this. This is more than we offered, more than we bargained for. No, Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do it. We well able to take it. God said it was ours. The promise was ours. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't see how we're going to possibly get this thing done. I don't see how it can be possibly worked out. No, you don't see it. You don't see how it could possibly be done, how it can be worked out. But what did God say? What report will you believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe what the Lord said concerning it. Because God said it's going to happen. God said you're going to possess it. Yeah, but the old men are telling us we can't do it. But guess what? I'm going to take care of every one of those negative gainsayers. Everyone that said you can't do it, I'm going to stop them out of your life. I'm going to let you wander around in the wilderness until you bury them in the wilderness. I'm going to let those that are un under the age of 21 I'm going to let them go in and possess I'm going to give it to the next generation because I promised Abraham that I was going to bless him I swore when I could swear by nobody else I swore by myself surely I'm going to bless you and there's a blessing in reserve wait, waiting for the children of Israel and I'm about to release it in this generation you can't handle it then you're going to die in the wilderness you're going to die in your test. But those of us that can handle it, we're going to step into the promised land. We're going to move into what God has for us. And what about our image? We're going to believe the Lord's report. What about our professionalism? We're going to walk in the ways of the Lord. What about how we feel and our self-esteem? We're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord. What are we going to do? We're going to say, God is going to work this thing out. 
God is going to do this thing. What are we going to do? We're going to send Judah first. We're going to send up the praise. We're going to bless his name. We're going to praise him in advance. But I don't possess it. But I'm praising him in advance. I'm thanking him in advance. I'm worshiping him in advance. I'm honoring him in advance. And as I send the praises, I'm getting behind the praise. I'm going behind the praise because God inhabited the praises of his people. And if I can send the praise ahead of me, I can get behind the praise. And as I get behind the praise, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going into the promised land. They were able to cross over and get into their promised possession. And saints, if you be faithful, you can cross over too and get into your promised land. He said, preacher, you don't know your Bible. You're talking about getting into the promised land. They was, okay, well, let's take what I really am talking about. I'm not talking about Canaan or Jordan. I'm talking about going into your promised land. Behold. <laughs> when I figure out that promised land, where is it? Oh, that promised land. Where is it? He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, promised place, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you go. How can we know the way? He said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what must I do to be saved? Repent of your sins. Saying, God, I'm a sinner. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. God, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. Nobody have to tell me I'm wrong or I'm messed up. I already know that. I want to know what do I need to do to get saved, to get my life together. Then Peter said unto them, repent. That means I'm sorry. You're turning your life around. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, I want to get into the promised land. I'm going to tell you now, friends, family, I want to help you. And I want to help bring you into the promised land. But if you don't receive the Lord as your Savior, if you don't receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the only way we're getting out of here, we're flying out. Oh, Jesus. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. So when the Lord appears in the cloud, we'll be caught up together to meet them in the air. Flying? Are we leaving for Ronald Reagan? Are we going out of Thurgood Marshall? What airline? What airport? Saints, we're going wherever you are. You're going to take off from wherever you are. That's why you just have to be ready. You say, well, I'm trying to get ready. Uh-uh. I don't want you trying to get ready. You trying. No, no, no. You need to be ready when Jesus comes. Because sooner or later, he's coming. And I know we've been preaching this thing for 2,000 years. That Jesus is coming. But guess what? We're 2,000 years closer to the promise I'm coming to receive you unto myself.
You've just heard Bishop Ronald Frazier with a powerful message. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, feel free to drop by our website, www.ChristChurchInc.org. We're also on Facebook at ChristChurchInc and Instagram at Christ underscore church underscore INC. Winning the World for Christ was produced by Sando Savant Media. Music is provided by the O'Neill Brothers Group. You can find more of their wonderful music at www.oneillbrothersgroup.com. We thank you for listening to today's message and truly hope that it was a blessing to you. Tune in next week for another great word. Until then, have a blessed week.